Good morning. Well, let's open our Bibles up to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the transforming power of your word. Lord, it's a gift beyond description. And forgive us, Lord, for not valuing it as we ought to, not giving your word the the priority it should have in our lives so often. We just fall short, but you're, you're forgiving. You cleanse us from our sin, and Lord, that we could then learn from our failures and press on, Lord, to, to be in a place where we're putting your word at a highest priority in our lives, Lord, because that's where we hear from you, Lord. We, we know your will. We discover your heart in your word. And that's what life is all about, knowing your will and following that, following that will for, for us individually, Lord. And so uh, this morning, as we, we talk about ministry and Paul sharing his heart about ministry, that we could learn from it, Lord, and we could be more effective in serving you. So we commit this time to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So Romans 15, we're going to pick up verse 14. And let's just go ahead and read through verse 21. Romans 15, 14. Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you, because of the grace given to me by God, that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient in many signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about to I I should have practiced pronouncing that name. I, I what, what is it? Iconium, okay? That's doesn't sound right, but we'll go with that. Uh, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ, and so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard 
shall understand. So we're going through the book of Romans, recalling this study series through Romans, Romans Revolution, because we believe that if we understand the principles of what's taught in the book of Romans, there will really be a revolution in your life. You think about chapters 1 through 8 of Romans, uh, what we call doctrinal teaching. The depth of of what's taught there in terms of us understanding who we are in Jesus Christ. We died with him. We rose with him. And, and you get to chapter 8, and it's, it's really just this, this pinnacle of, of, of glorious praise to God of how he has uh, justified us, he has sanctified us, and that we're now learning to walk in his spirit, which is really amazing. It's a miracle that we could be in a place where not only are our sins forgiven and we have a, a home in heaven, but we're now learning to walk with God. You, know, you think about, e I said, Enoch, he walked with God and he was not for God took him. Uh, you know, that's the Old Testament. I think he walked with God 365 years. That's a long time to walk with God. We can walk with God. We can do it not because of our righteousness or because of our faithfulness, but because We've learned the principles in Romans, really simple principles, really. It's not like you have to know all the original language and, and go deep into to study this. It's simple if you'll let the Holy Spirit teach you about what it means to die with Christ, to rise with Christ, to walk in his resurrection power, to walk in the Holy Spirit. So we're being led by the Spirit. We're not depending on our own flesh anymore. We're depending on the righteousness of Christ and the Holy Spirit. And it's really a place of freedom. It's a place of power. It's not an easy path, is it? It's a narrow path. <laughs> and not many really find it. And, and yet, you know, we, we fall and we, what to say, the righteous man falls seven times and gets back up. So you get back, okay, I'm back on this narrow path, Lord, let's get going. Uh, man, I've made a lot of mistakes, but I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to be led by the Spirit. I want to follow Jesus. Isn't that what it's about? You know, I want, to, I want to hear the voice of God. That's a revolution. That's, that's, that's a radical way to walk through this life. You know, isn't that how Jesus walked? He, he, he was led by the Spirit right from his, his very baptism where he started his ministry said he was led into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days. He was led by the Spirit, Jesus Christ, our perfect example. And now, as we learn these principles of, of walking in the Spirit, then you, you jump over to uh, chapter 12 of Romans, and it says, Now, therefore, brethren, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him, which is your reasonable service, right? And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So learning to walk in the Spirit, and, and, and that's, again, it, that, a lot of people misunderstand what that means, but you know, I, if you don't understand what that means, I would encourage you, go to Romans, you know, 6, 7, 8. Ask the Lord to show you that. So we begin to walk in the Spirit, and then, and then it's kind of a 
natural next step is now to offer myself to God as a living sacrifice. Lord, my life is not mine anymore. It's your life, and it's my life is now offered to you in sacrifice and service, right? And, and hopefully you've come to that point in your life. If you haven't learned to walk in the Spirit and then you try to offer yourself to God in service, you'll probably get burnt out. You'll probably get bitter, you know, because you're starting to serve God in your flesh. You're starting to serve God amongst God's people, and you get your toes stepped on. You get hurt. Well, I can't believe Christians, you know, they're, they're so hard to live with and serve. You know, well, yeah, we're people, right? So, but once you've you learn to walk in the Spirit, then you have the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, and, and you're now you're prepared to minister in the body of Christ. You're prepared to minister to the lost. And, and that's really what the second half or the second section of Romans talks about is serving the Lord in the body of Christ and serving the Lord in what he's called you to do. And that's what we're going we're gonna to talk about today. So hopefully you've come to that point. You, you, you've learned to walk in the spirit and then you've given yourself as a living sacrifice to God, and you say, Lord, what do you have for my life? What do you, what have you called me to do? Man, and that's an amazing thing when you, you can sense that for your life. And, and it may not be, you know, oh, you're, you're called to be a pastor or something like that. It could be you're called to start a home Bible study. You're called to work in children's ministry. You're called to just, you know, work around the church and help clean up, uh, do whatever's needed. But the point is, between you and God, you have a sense for what he's called you to do. And then others' leadership around you will, you know, kind of confirm that and say, yeah, I, I, I do believe that is what God's calling you to do. And isn't that a wonderful thing? Really, it's, it's amazing to feel a, a sense of God's calling in your life and that you're following that calling. I don't know what else life is about, really. There, you, you have your purpose now. Is it hard? Yeah, it's hard to serve the Lord. But I'd rather, you know what, I'd rather have my uh, full armor on and be in the middle of the battle with the bullets flying than being, you know, sitting over on the couch, dying, withering away. I'd rather be in the battle, right? Isn't that what we want? So, Walking in the Spirit, hearing the calling of God, and beginning to walk in that calling. And so today we're going to talk about some principles of how to minister in the body of Christ. Now, we've spent several weeks talking about chapters 14 and 15, which talks about body life, how we get along with one another in the church. And there were problems in the Roman church. There were different, really different types of people, you know, and, and just like in our little church, we come from all different backgrounds, but we need to learn to try to get along. And that's what Paul was uh, edifying them saying, well, you know, some of you are, have a more Jewish background, more legalistic background. Some of you, you know, you're, you're coming from a Gentile background. You don't really have that that baggage that you're bringing into the church, you, you understand grace maybe more, but you you can't um, be judging one another and despising one another. That's important, Paul. It's really important to God. It was really important to Paul. God speaking through Paul 
that we love one another in a practical way and that we really watch our attitudes toward one another. See, because you can say, well, yeah, I love everybody, but, you you know, there's some people in the, the body you just, you don't like them maybe or they, they irritate you or, and that, you know what, that's your problem. That's not their problem. And that's what we have to say, Lord, what is wrong with my heart that I don't have love toward this person? Why am I judging this person? I should be praying for them. You know, my, my daughter and I were talking about this yesterday where, you know, you think about it, you're in a, a ministry situation and, and uh, you know, we see things in other people, we, you know, that we've, we feel like they're, they're, there's a shortcoming in their life or, uh, you know, it could be in any situation, certainly in marriage, right? You got a close-up view of this other person and their faults, so how are you going to react to when you see faults in others, either in the body of Christ or in your family? Are you going to be, you know, the critic and the judge? Or are you going to be part of the solution where you're going to pray for that person? And, you know, I think about it. You, you stand before the Lord and, and, he, and you say, well, Lord, you know, if all these people weren't so messed up, I would have done better. And, and the Lord says, yeah, but I wanted you to pray for them. You know, Lord, if my wife wasn't so messed up, our marriage would have been better. And the Lord says, no, but my plan was for you to see her faults and then to pray for her. And you would be part of the agent of change in her life. You know what I'm saying? So we're, we're so often, we got the other person under the magnifying glass and we're thinking about their faults. And the Lord's saying, well, yeah, I'm, I'm showing you their faults so that you can pray for them, you can love them, and you can believe. You don't need to be their judge or their critic. You need to be that agent of change. And it's the same thing in the body of Christ. You know, when we see things and faults in other people, God's maybe showing you that so you can pray for them. And, and so you'll be rewarded for being an agent of change in that person's life, in your family, in the, in the church. And so we see this uh, with Paul. Now, this is a really interesting section of Scripture here where Paul is kind of opening up and we're getting a glimpse into how he ministers to other people, how Paul conducts himself in ministry. So let's look at verse 14 of Romans 15. And Paul says, Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to admonish one another. So Paul is coming out of this section uh, in chapter 13 or chapter 14 and the first part of chapter 15. And he, again, he's telling the believers, you got to get along with one another. You got to love one another. Quit judging one another. Quit despising one another. Really strong language. And now he's kind of given it more of a, a positive spin. He's saying, I'm confident in you guys. I know you're full of goodness. I know you're filled with knowledge. And I know you can admonish one another. So uh, I have actually 10 principles or, or 10 secrets of ministry that Paul has. They're really not secrets, but, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unveil them to you today. So you, they won't be secrets anymore. But 10, you know, secrets of ministry or, or 10 ministry principles that I see in these verses here. And the first one I'm going to call Paul's confidence ministry. So every one of them begin with Paul and end with ministry, you'll, you'll notice in my, in my 10 principles. So uh, Paul's confidence ministry. So what, what I mean by that is Paul, when he ministered to other people, he conveyed 
an attitude of confidence in those people. Now, we ministers don't always do that, or people who minister to others don't always do that. Or maybe you're a mom, you're a dad, you're ministering to your kids. Are you always just ministering correction and criticism? And not we should correct, we should criticize, you know, in a loving way. But we should also project confidence in them to say, hey, I know you can do it, right? And that's kind of a natural thing. Parents, we want to, hey, you're doing it. You can do it. Yes, yes. But sometimes we can kind of fall into this, this attitude of, of we're always just correcting, uh, we're always criticizing, and we're not conveying confidence to that person we're trying to help grow. And, and yet we see Paul here saying, I am confident concerning you. And, and so Paul, that was his heart. Even though he was correcting, he was telling them, hey, quit judging, quit despising one another. But I, I know you guys can do this. I'm confident in you. And, you know, I think that's something God puts in your heart. as If, if you're walking in the Spirit and you've got God's heart, the way you view other people you see potential in them, don't you? Have you ever seen that? Like you're seeing a person from sort of God's viewpoint and they could be completely messed up. And yet you you just like, I know God can change you. You know, I've been working with this guy, you know, and I've been telling you guys, been pretty public about it because you guys have been praying for him, Stephen Blancet. And, and praise the Lord, he's now right on the verge of, getting into another recovery program. But I look at this guy whose life is broken by, by drug abuse, and, and he's been homeless. He's just thrown away his family and so much. And, and, but I look at him because God has put it in my heart to minister to this guy, and I just see so much potential in him. Where most other people have just given up on him. It's like his family, he tries to call them for help. They're like, no, you know, you've just burned too many bridges. You've burned us too often. We don't trust you. You'll take the money and use it on drugs. But it's, and that would be my fleshly reaction as well. But when you're in the spirit and you're feeling called, and again, we can't minister to everybody, but each of us. God is speaking to you and say, I, I want you to focus on this thing, this person, and I, and I want you to pray for them, and I want you to pour into them, and I want you to hear what my will is for them. And I look at this guy, and, I, and I, I see so much potential. I do. I see God's gifting in him. And he'll say, man, I, I just feel so bad. You know, your, your church has been giving so much to me. And I said, brother, we are investing in you because I know God has a hope, a future, and a hope for you. So there's a confidence, even though the person can be completely without, you know, merit in terms of the world, but we're seeing people from God's point of view. And that's what I think Paul, he would say, I'm, yeah, you're full of goodness. You're filled with knowledge. Now, of course, he's not talking about, you know, natural goodness or natural knowledge, but he'd already taught them how to walk in the Spirit and, and let the goodness of Christ fill them and, and, and the Holy Spirit teach them. And Paul's saying, no, I'm not looking down on you as if uh, you're, you're a bunch of just bad children who you know, are always going astray. No, I know you're filled with these things, and I know you're able to admonish one another. So that's important that we learn how to minister to people 
with that same kind of spirit, that we have confidence really in God, that he's working in them. And, and we convey that to them. We, we need to tell people, hey, I, I know you feel bad about yourself, but I see amazing potential, and I'm really proud of you for, for seeking the Lord and, and whatever good you can find in them, right? We should do that with our kids. We should do that with our spouses. We should do that in the body of Christ. So the second uh, point in uh, verse 15 is Paul's reminder ministry. Verse 15, he says, Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God. So Paul understood that these truths he was conveying to these people, that it wasn't the first time they'd heard them. He, he felt like he was reminding them. Remember Peter said that, uh, that I, I'm, I'm coming to you, brethren, in, in, in Peter's epistle. He said, uh, I didn't have a chance to look it up. One of his epistles, he said, uh, I'm, I'm giving this to you by way of reminder. So often that is our ministry to other people to remind them of the truths of God do we always feel like we have to have something new and slick? And isn't that the way our culture is? Oh, what's the newest thing? What's the latest thing? Oh, oh, that old boring Bible stuff. You know, no, we're our our ministry is to remind people, and and don't feel bad about that. And hopefully, if you're being reminded by somebody else, you're receiving that in the in the proper spirit. I don't know if you've ever ministered to somebody. And you're trying to give them some scriptures. They're like, oh, I already know that. I already know that. It's like, well, I, I didn't assume that you didn't know that. I'm just reminding you. And so we never want to have that. Hey, what do you, you don't need to tell me that. I already know that. Well, you're kind of unteachable then if, if that's your attitude. So, um, or I, I've, I've heard this one. I was like, oh, I already tried that. It didn't work. Well, <laughs> you know, you're, uh, you need to go back to the Lord because this is the word of God. Of course it works, you know. So... Paul had a reminder ministry, and, and again, that's an important ministry to us. Don't feel like you're nagging your kids because you keep bringing the same truths back to them over and over. That's part of growing is being reminded. And then notice also he says that he um, reminded them with boldness. So there are times where boldness is required where Sometimes we can be too hesitant to bring any kind of correction or any kind of word to people like, oh, no, how are they going to take it? Are they going to they're going to take it wrong? And that's going to really hinder us. We, we need some courage. We need some boldness to speak the word of God, even again, within the body of Christ. We hopefully we'll have time today for an afterglow time. And if the Lord puts a word on your heart for somebody you know, don't be afraid to give it to them. You might think, oh, no, it's, but it sounds kind of corrective. And, uh, well, you know, just if the Lord is telling you to, to speak it, just speak it and, and be bold, and God will take care of the rest. So um, that was Paul's reminder ministry, number two. Number three, in the second part of uh, verse 15, uh, Paul's grace ministry. And it says that, at the end of verse 15 there, uh, I'm reminding you because of the grace given to me by God. 
Now, this is important in ministry that we understand whatever we're doing for the Lord, it's because God has given us the grace to do it. And man, I find that the, the longer I walk with the Lord, I find that so important for me to, as I approach a ministry situation, to just get my heart in that place of remembering I, I don't have anything in and of myself. It's all from the Lord. And I, I'm just now thanking you, Lord, that you give your grace to me to give out to other people. Because sometimes we can rely on our own experience, right? Well, I've done this a hundred times and you just jump into the ministry situation and you're thinking, well, yeah, I, I have the knowledge. I have the experience and God will kind of let you get, you know, maybe burned sometimes because you're relying on yourself and the Lord wants to remind you, hey, no, it's, it's my grace that has been given to you so that you can minister. And Paul said that. He understood that. Uh, the way I've written to you more boldly in my reminder ministry, it's because of the grace given to me by God. So Paul's grace ministry, he understood his ministry to others was completely rooted in the grace of God. You remember that scripture where Paul said, I, I labored more than all the other apostles, yet not I but the grace of God in me. And, and he said, the grace of God was not given to me in vain. So Paul worked hard in receiving God's grace, but he knew it was not God's grace that was, he knew it was not himself producing the work. It was the grace of God in him. And then uh, number four, Paul had a Christ-centered ministry. Christ-centered ministry. Verse 16, Paul said that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So that might seem obvious. Well, yeah, isn't that what we minister? But but Paul's talking about not only ministering to unbelieving Gentiles, but he's talking about the churches that he would minister, and he would minister, I'm a minister of Jesus Christ, so I, I think he's saying that in, in the sense that Christ was his source to minister to the Gentiles, but that was also his message was Jesus Christ. Remember he said to the Corinthians, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And and the Corinthian church is very much like the American church today, where they were very, um, not so much Christ-centered, but they were intellectual-centered. And it was all about who was the best and brightest speaker. Oh, I'm Apollos. He's this great speaker. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Cephas. And Paul is saying, hey, it's not about these great speakers. It's about Jesus Christ. It's not about you know, knowledge, it, it, the Greeks kind of struggled with that. You know, it was, it was a real exaltation of intelligence and, and human reason. And Paul had to battle that and say, you know, guys, it, the Lord reveals himself uh, to uh, the spiritual man, not the intellectual man. So Paul ministered Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. I determined to know nothing among you but Jesus Christ. So as we're ministering to others, 
don't feel like you have to have a doctorate in counseling or something to be able to be qualified to minister. You're ministering the person of Jesus Christ. You know, there's a great book. I think we may even have it in the uh, bookstore there, the donut room. Um, that's called Counseling God's Way by Pastor Bob Hoekstra. And the whole premise of that book is you're counseling somebody and they're unsaved, your goal is to bring them to salvation. That's it, right? All the problems they're having in their life, you you know from your perspective, that's just to bring you to the cross, and that's my goal is to pray for you and to point you to Jesus. I, I'm not going to be able to solve all your, you know, the complexities of your problems, but it's the same thing. Now, as a Christian, if I'm, if I'm counseling a Christian or ministering to a Christian, my goal is to bring them along the path of discipleship, which discipleship is following Jesus. So I'm qualified to do that. I'm qualified to, to challenge them, to, to pray for them, minister to them in that regard to say, how is your relationship with Jesus? Are you surrendering everything to Jesus? Are you taking up your cross and following Jesus? That's our ministry, and that's what Paul's ministry was to, uh, to be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God or the good news of God that Jesus loves you. It's good news, right? That's, that's the point. You're ministering to somebody, and, they, and they've gotten out of whack. They, they can't, they, they've forgotten that it's good news, that God has good things for them. The Lord has victory for them, so that's what you're ministering. And then notice the the second part of uh, verse 16, and that'll be our fifth point on, on the secrets of, of ministry that Paul has given us here, Paul's ministry target. So it says that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable. So Paul, Paul knew what his calling was, was to the Gentiles. Paul had a Gentile-focused ministry, so he knew what his ministry target was. See, we can't do everything, right? I think sometimes the devil wants to get us spread so thin that we're not really being effective with anything. And sometimes, you know, maybe early on as a Christian, we're excited about serving the Lord, and, and we're just saying yes to everything. Oh, yeah, I'll help here, I'll help here. And then you just start, you know, you're spread too thin, it's better to just say, Lord, what do you have for me in ministry? And, and I'm not really going to be listening to all the other voices. I, I want to listen to your voice. I'm not going to be driven by even needs. I want to be driven by the calling that you have for me, Lord. And Paul understood that. He knew he was called to the Gentiles and that was his focus in his life, was to fulfill that calling. So it's important for all of us, really, to, to hear the Lord's voice in what he's called each of us to do. And again, leadership can help you with that. But I believe primarily it's up to you. It's your responsibility in your relationship with the Lord to, to hear that and then have confirmation from, from others. And then uh, the very last part of uh, verse 16, 
is number six, Paul's priestly ministry. And notice what he says there. He says he's uh, ministering the gospel of God that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So commentators say this, if you look in the original language, that this really has the language of the temple and the sacrifices offered. And Paul saw himself that way. Remember this, the scripture says we're, we're, we're kings and priests unto the Lord. So we're all, in a sense, we have a priestly ministry. And remember what the priestly ministry was. That priest would um, go to God for the person, say, bringing the sacrifice. So they'd be that inner intermediary between God and that person. And often that's what we're doing, right? We're trying to bring a word from the Lord to someone. We're trying to bring the word of God to someone and minister to them. And that's, in, in a sense, it's a priestly ministry. And so Paul really saw himself as, as, that, as fulfilling that role and he really saw those he was ministering to as those who could be offered as a sacrifice to God for God's glory. And we should certainly see ourselves like that. Remember Romans 12, 1, uh, that we offer ourselves a living sacrifice to God. So again, that's that language of of sacrifice, you would think back to the tabernacle and the and the temple. There's really so much truth there to to meditate on. But we're we're this living sacrifice to the Lord, and those we're ministering to, we want them to come to a point where they are living sacrifices to the Lord, acceptable sacrifices. Remember, you'd you'd take a a lamb to the the temple, and if it had blemishes or it was uh, uh, hurt in some way, it was an unacceptable sacrifice, and it would be rejected. And of course, that ultimately was pointing to the person of Jesus Christ, that he he would be without spot or wrinkle. He would be a sinless sacrifice for us. So his the, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to the Father was acceptable. But we, in the same in the same way, because we are in Christ and we're walking in the Holy Spirit, we're set apart by the Holy Spirit, we have a walk that's acceptable to God. We have a relationship that's pleasing to God. And that's, again, our goal to bring others to that place. You, you would, you know, you're ministering to somebody. Uh, I was having lunch with, with a guy the other day. I said, so how, uh, what's the Lord been speaking to you? You know, what's, how's your relationship with the Lord? And he says, well, you know, I, I just believe I'm pleasing to the Lord. I'm like, that's a great answer. And, uh, and I know this guy well, and he understands faith in Christ. And, and he knew when he said that, he knew it was all about faith in Jesus Christ, that he was pleasing to the Lord. So that's ultimately what we want in our lives, that we're, our lives are acceptable to the Lord, set apart by the Holy Spirit. We're walking in the Spirit. Our lives are pleasing to the Lord. And that's where we want to bring others. And that's what Paul's goal was, that his, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So that was Paul's priestly ministry. And then number seven, verse 17, Paul's joyful ministry. 
Verse 17, therefore, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. So that, that word glory could also be translated uh, rejoice. And Paul, I believe, enjoyed his ministry. He, he loved what he was doing. He was glo- but he was glorying in Jesus Christ, see, We never want to get to a point where ministry is a burden and we've lost the joy. See, Paul was rejoicing or glorying in Christ Jesus in these things that pertain to God, that he was privileged to minister for the Lord. He didn't, he talks about in other places, he didn't want to be disqualified. He valued his ministry. He valued that calling and, and he And he was so focused on it. That was his purpose in life. And he was rejoicing in that. You know, the book of uh, Philippians talks a lot about the uh, subject of joy, doesn't it? That's kind of the the theme of that book. But But it's not just, oh, be happy, put on a happy face, be joyful. If you study it, it's really rooted in an understanding that Christ is my righteousness and I live this Christian life in the righteousness of Christ, not in my own righteousness. He becomes a burden and it's a, it's a heavy yoke when you're trying to produce ministry in your own strength and your own righteousness. But when you understand, oh, I don't have any righteousness. God knows I don't have any righteousness in and of myself. All my righteousness is in Jesus Christ. I feel like I'm lacking righteousness now. So Lord, I just wait upon you to pour your righteousness into me. That's a place of rejoicing. You know, uh, Philippians 3, Paul says, um, well, I was going to try to do it by memory, but I'm just going to turn over there. Philippians 3, he says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Notice he's doing reminders again. Uh, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. So beware of the, the legal legalizers. For we are the circumcision, or you could read it, we are the true circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. So that rejoicing in Christ Jesus we're seeing the same language or glorying in Christ Jesus is related to the fact that Paul had no confidence in his own flesh. So the way Paul ministered was not depending on his vast Bible knowledge or his experience, but it was depending on the person of Jesus Christ. Man, that's freedom when you learn that. The pressure's off of you, and you can rejoice like, oh, wow, God's not standing over me saying, oh, you blew it again. You're, you know, you, when are you ever going to grow some righteousness in your life? He's saying, look, I know you don't have any righteousness. Just come to the cross and die and let me pour my righteousness in you. So quit ha- expecting anything from your flesh. And this is what Paul's talking. I rejoice in Christ Jesus, and I have no confidence in the flesh. God isn't just saying, 
oh, just put on a happy face, be positive. No, it's much deeper than that. It's like, no, I am rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. I'm abiding in the life of Jesus Christ. He's pouring his life into me, right? John 15, if you abide in the vine, you will produce much fruit. And of yourself, you can do nothing. So it's all over the Bible, this, this truth. And it's, it's good news. So Paul had a joyful ministry. And then number eight, Paul had a humbly dependent ministry. Verse 18, for I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient. So he's telling us how he ministered the word of God to the Gentiles. He said, it was Christ doing it through me. That's not a, a small thing. You, you, you get catch a theme here as we're going through this? You know, Paul said, it's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives through me. And the way he ministered to others, it was, like Paul says, I don't even want to talk about this stuff I've accomplished in my flesh. I, I, I dare not speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me. I mean, we all know what that's like, where we've done something in the flesh, or we get in the flesh, and it's just gross, right? And we're like, uh, I don't even want to talk about that. But Paul was excited about the things that Christ did through him in word and deed. In word and deed. And that's, of course, the life of Jesus Christ. He says, the words I speak are not my own. I only speak what the Father tells me. In the works that I do, I only do those things I see the Father do. This is exactly what Paul is talking about. Paul was being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And that's where the Holy Spirit is driving all of us. Quit doing it on your own. Your works aren't acceptable. It's what Christ does through us. Again, that's really a beautiful place of freedom for, so, because the weakest of us could be used by God if we'll learn to wait upon the Lord and, and just come to that cross every day say, Lord, I got nothing. Man, I'm dead on that cross. But Lord, thank you. You've forgiven my sin and you've, and you've crucified my flesh. And Lord, I am now forgiven and I'm free to be filled with the Spirit and Lord, to let you work through me. And again, you know, we, we can get spread so thin, we start saying yes to everything. And, and we, we want to hear the voice of the Lord. We want to hear what he is saying to us in the words that we should speak. We want to hear what the Lord is saying to us in the deeds that we should do. And Paul's saying, I don't even want to talk about the things that I've done. I just want to focus on what Christ is accomplishing through me in word and in deed. And, you know, something you guys can pray for for our church. I have, you know, I'm very busy. I have a full-time job, right? So I have to be very careful in ministry to what, you know, uh, things we commit to, right? Because I have limited time. And you guys all do too. You're all real busy, right? And so, and, and the leadership of this church is, and something I have really felt the Lord put on my heart in the last few months is that as leaders, we need to come together and wait on the Lord and listen for his voice 
and just do those things that he is calling us to do. So we're kind of in a, in a season right now where I feel like he wants us to, uh, well, kind of the, the theme of our leadership meetings, in fact, we're having one today after, after church, is to uh, we minister to the Lord, we minister to one another as leaders, and we minister to the sheep. We, we pray for you guys, and we pray for those sheep that are kind of, you know, wandering on the outskirts. It's our job to go after them, right? And so my point is, as a church, we want to more and more be the kind of church where we're just waiting on the Lord, listening for his voice, what he wants us to say, what he wants us to do, what ministry he wants us to start. But again, we can be spread so thin. We, oh, that church is doing all that stuff. So yeah, let's start doing all that stuff. Well, that may not be what God's calling us to do. So we want to learn as individuals, as families, as a church to wait upon the Lord, to listen to the voice of the Lord, that the things that he accomplishes are from Christ, not from us. And then number nine, Paul's ministry of miracles, verse 19, in many signs and wonders by the power of the spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and roundabout to uh, Illyricum, there, I remembered how to pronounce it, Illyricum, that's so easy, roundabout to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. So again, notice his focus on the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what the message of the gospel is. But what I wanted to really point out in these scriptures is Paul's ministry of miracles. You know, Jesus said, these signs will follow those who believe. Uh, And he listed some miraculous manifestations the ministry, you study the ministry of Jesus, obviously uh, he did signs and wonders all, all over the, the place, right? Paul is saying the same things. In his ministry, he had signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God. Well, it's, I believe that happened in Paul's life because of his heart, his attitude, his understanding of walking in the Spirit, his humility, wanting to Christ to be exalted. And so God was able to do signs and wonders because God got all the glory. It wasn't Paul taking the glory. And that's really important. So as we minister in our families, in the church, we minister to others, we should be praying for signs and wonders and the power of the Spirit. We, we really should be. And, uh, you know, we a few weeks ago... We went up to uh, Calvary Denton, a few of us did, and, and they had some of the different Calvaries in the area here come together, and we had this worship and afterglow time. And I'll tell you, that was pretty amazing, right? Some of the, the, uh, the words that were given, and, and really to me, that's a sign and a wonder that you go up to somebody, you speak, and I saw this, you know, one particular thing, I won't mention names because I don't want to puff the guy up here that, that's here that gave this word, but... He knows who he is. Um, but he gave a word to uh, one of the pastors there, and the pastor just looked at him and said, look, you, there's no way you could have known. You don't even know me. There's no way you could have known that the, the word you just gave me is like a very core part of my life and my prayer life and my vision. <laughs> and, and But he needed to hear that. 
that word, and it was it's a sign and a wonder. It's the power of the Spirit of God. So, you, you again, you see a pattern here. These are supernatural things. God wants us to walk in the supernatural. If we're Christ-focused, if we're walking in the Spirit, God will do signs and wonders. He wants to manifest himself to those unsaved people around us. He wants to manifest himself within the body of Christ. And so Paul really did have a ministry of miracles. Now, I'm not, you know, talking about some of the weird things you can see on TV where it's kind of hype and, you know, I I think it's good to have a healthy skepticism of, uh, you know, the the gold dust that came down in the, during the service or the, a gold tooth was grown. I, I don't know. A lot of that stuff, I'm just telling you, I have problems with. But I do believe in signs and wonders in the, in the sense of, uh, of God just working miraculously in people's lives. And so we should pray for that. We should expect it and, and minister from that perspective. And then finally, uh, number 10, uh, Paul's scripture-led ministry, verse 20. And so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation, but as it is written, to whom he was not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand. So Paul's scripture-led ministry, and, and what I mean by that. Paul found verification for his ministry in the Word of God. And, you know, if you know my wife, if I, I begin to share with her, oh, I feel like God, you know, is calling us to do this or that, and, and she'll say, well, do you have a verse? <laughs> like, what do you mean do I have a verse? God's speaking to me and telling me to do this. She's like, well, no, you got to have a verse. And I remember when the Lord was, and, and I think that's, Valid. I think that's what Paul's saying here. His his ministry was based on a, a, a verse from Isaiah, you know, to whom he was not announced, they shall see, and to those who have not heard shall understand. That Paul knew that he was called to go into areas where uh, the, the gospel was never heard. That was his calling. Uh, but I remember when we were called to, to start this church, and uh, I'm just sharing with my wife, oh, you know, this is what the Lord is showing me. And it's okay. What's your verse? So I went away. I'm like, Lord, you know, what's, what's my verse. And, um, I didn't get a chance to look it up this morning, but it's from acts. And I, I think it was the next day. I, I don't know if I'd been reading through acts, but somehow this verse just like lit up off the page. You know how that works when God's speaking to you. And it said, um, and it was talking to, um, the apostles when they had been, uh, jailed for preaching the gospel and then the angel released them and the angel says go stand in the temple and proclaim to them all the words of this life and the lord i was like the lord's telling me stand you know stand in the temple and proclaim to them all the words of this life you are called to stand in front of people and and give the word of god and specifically to emphasize the grace of God, which I don't think is emphasized enough in the church. And that's where God has, you know, called me to, uh, I believe, emphasize that. And so uh, all the words of this life, that there's life in Christ Jesus. But anyway, my point is, I got my verse. And were you okay with that verse? Was that, yeah, that that was acceptable, you know, to her. And uh, so 
But I think that's a that's a great principle. I think that's what Paul did. You know, and and as you're saying, Lord, what are you calling me to do, Lord? Uh, and maybe the Lord says, well, you know, for, for right now, it's to, to focus on your children. You know, you're, you're a, a stay-at-home mom or you're homeschooling your kids or whatever. Man, that's a big deal. That's a, a, a very high, you know, high-demand job. And it's not to say you wouldn't do anything in the church, but uh, I know I've had seasons in my life where I was more of an intercessor. I remember, and I've Forgive me, some of you have heard this story many times, but uh, I remember when we were going to the Pastor Greg Laurie's church, and um, that was back in the 80s, kind of late 80s, uh, just as he was starting the uh, Crusades and um, Harvest, yeah, Harvest America. And so uh, I remember at that time, man, my life was so busy. Our, Our girls were all real small. I had a long commute to work. I did not have a lot of time to spend, you know, at the church. Now, my wife was able to to work in the church more and to minister. But I, my time was very limited. And But I remember the Lord spoke to me so clearly, and he said, your job is to pray for Greg. Okay. Wow. And, you know, I'd always had this sense of a calling to, to intercessory prayer. And I, you know, I'd had seasons in my life where I'd spent a lot of time praying with other people and, and on my own. And so that was, you know, really very much in line with some of the history of what God had called me to. So my point is, that's between you and God. You know, somebody could look, could have looked at me and said, well, how come you're not doing anything at the church? And I could say, well, I'm doing what God's called me to do. It doesn't, you know, really matter what you think or you think. You should be doing more, Rick. I'm doing what God's called me to. I sit there and I pray for Greg. On Sunday morning, I, I get involved in, in in the prayer ministries for the, the um, Harvest America. But I think, you know, God knew what Greg and that ministry needed at that time. They needed a lot of prayer, right? Because that, that's a, a lot of uh, warfare there. And then... But the other thing that happened as I would be praying, and I remember this would happen a lot on Sunday morning, I'd, and I'd be, you know, watching the, the ministries happen. God would begin to speak to my heart and, and say, you're going to be a worship leader. I'm like, what? Or you're going to be a youth leader. You're going to be a children's ministry leader. I said, this is crazy. What are you talking about, God? And even he would say, you're going to be a pastor, but I couldn't, like, I couldn't even hear that. That was like not even getting through. The, that's impossible. I can't see myself as a pastor. But then when we moved to Texas and started going to Calvary Arlington, and that's a long story, but the Lord really made it clear that's where we were to be. I saw every one of those things fulfilled that God had shown me back at, at Harvest. So my point is, you know, we all need to hear the voice of God and, and don't look at necessarily what other people are doing you may be in a season in your life where you can't do as much, but you know physically, but you could do, you could be praying or you could be corresponding with somebody. I don't know whatever whatever that is. God's calling you to do. So, 